Well, here we are on the cusp of Christmas. We're just about there, just a, a few more days, and uh, we'll look forward to our virtual Christmas Eve services and, uh, and continuing on in this format, at least for the next few weeks. Do you know that when God created you, he created you to be hardwired with certain needs necessary to be fulfilled if you're to uh, live a, a good life and a healthy life. Um, one of these expressions uh, of needs and how that works in our life came from a psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow in the, in the 1940s. Um, called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, uh, this psychologist tried to figure out and look and see what it was in people uh, that motivated them uh, to do what they do. So it's interesting, he has this uh, hierarchy of needs, and it's, it, it begins at a very basic level that all of us have physiological needs, we have physical needs, we, we need to uh, have food and water and sleep and shelter. And uh, what his thesis was that um, if you couldn't look at higher needs until you've lived, uh, satisfied some very basic needs, and we would say there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, if you have nothing to eat, you may not be concerned about self-esteem or something like that. Well, he went from uh, the physical to safety and security uh, issues. Uh, here there would be protection from violence and, and uh, protection from loss and dangerous places. And you know there are places where you're told don't, don't go into this area, don't go out by yourself after uh, a certain time or when it's dark. And so we see uh, as we look at this that there are some legitimacies to that. The third highest level he has on here is love and belonging. He says all of us have this innate desire to be loved, uh, to belong, to be appreciated and accepted, and uh, to enjoy intimacy with other people. And, and so we recognize that that's important. And then he found self-esteem, and that we would have a, a measure of self-respect, and others would join, would affirm that as well. And then for the very top, he had something called self-actualization, and that is this sense of achievement, uh, of uh, achieving your potential, and uh, a sense of meaning to life. Now, while this is very helpful, it, it's a theory, and there are many other uh, theories of motivation, and there's some good things about Maslow's work here. Uh, but at the same time, you know that it's not always this way. We've got somebody like the Apostle Paul who is beaten, he's naked, he's in, uh, cha in chains, in jail. He's, he is not in any way in a good sense, and yet he is rejoicing, he has joy, he's singing, and so while there is a lot of truth to this, it's not automatically uh, all the way it looks. But God has created us, and the different models show that very high on the list is a sense of belonging and acceptance and love and being loved. It's interesting, in the 13th century, the Roman emperor, Friedrich I, did an experiment 
He took five babies, or excuse me, 50 babies. And what he did was he took them from their mother and they were given to foster mothers. And those mothers were uh, told to uh, check the, the, the baby's needs in terms of uh, food uh, and something to, to eat and nourish them and bathing them. But aside from that, there was no caressing of that child. There was no uh, uh, cuddling. There was no talking to the child. It was just to provide that very basic need. And what happened was, every one of those children died. Every one of them died. Conversely, they found the children who, who were cuddled and nurtured and smiled and spoken to, uh, they thrived. Now, we crave love. We crave affection and acceptance and belonging. And, and, and it can be a huge motivating factor in our life. Why do we do some of the things we do? Have you thought about that? Why do you decide to do certain things? Uh, for instance, uh, love and acceptance can be a huge motivating factor in your life. Uh, we may crave those things, and it, it may see itself manifested in, uh, for instance, workaholism, where, where we work and work and work because we want a sense that uh, we've done something uh, well, and people will affirm us, and they'll, we'll be able to belong with them. Things like dress codes, uh, the way we dress or behave, can done, be done largely uh, in, to belong to a group. We want to be accepted. A young woman may surrender her virginity to a young man who promises to love her and, and is pressuring her in that way. Well, all of us have innate cravings uh, for love and acceptance in our lives. And, and tests show that those who have both received and given love have an increased immune system, better endocrinological uh, system, and cardiovascular uh, system are all improved. There are some very positive things if we love and are loved and feel accepted. I think Bert Bacharach was right on the money in his song when he, he penned these words, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing there's just too little of. Not just for some, but for everyone. And God created us with a need and a desire to be loved. That's why in God, in creating this fabulous world that he did, and humankind went to this point, and, and uh, God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. We need to have people in our life. And in this COVID season, when being together may be restricted, uh, when the virus comes like a Grinch to steal our Christmas, and I know some of us, our Christmas isn't going to look like any Christmas we've done before. And we're going to miss people, uh, particularly around this time of year where we're, uh, we're with family and friends. And uh, it seems like a Grinch is going to steal that on us. Well, some of us will struggle under that pandemic in some way. And the themes of Advent that we are looking at to help us through this time of a pandemic, uh, the themes of hope 
and peace and joy, we now add to that love. Because you see, Christmas is about love. If you could move that on for me, please. There's a theme uh, that Christmas is so uh, important for love. Jesus' life was saturated in love. So how is it that love can be this core component of Christmas? Excuse me. Um, And and I want you to know that Christmas, um, in Christmas, God meets our need for love. God meets our need for love. This is a deep and profound need that we have for love. And, And for God, it's kind of a first and foremost because love is sourced in God. God is love. We just heard the scripture say, God created us with this need and he also satisfies that craving and that love as only he can, making us his children. After it said that God is love, God is the essence of what love is. He's the definition of love. He's love personified. And love is not just some kind of a warm feeling, some ethereal emotion that we can't see or quantify. No, it's not just a noun, but it's an action word. It's a verb, one that corresponds to do the best for someone else, no matter, regardless of whether they appreciate it or not. You do what's good and right for others. And uh, expressing that love. We need to be loved We need to be appreciated and accepted. And that begins our journey with God. You see, we messed up something terribly. We we rebelled against God. We rejected his uh, outreach to us. Uh, We violated his laws. We thumbed our noses at him and said, you you know, we're not going to follow you. We have no place for you in our life. And consequently, we came under his judgment. Our relationship with God was broken, and we deserve what we get if we turn our back on him, and and he would ultimately be our judge. But that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't his desire at all. He had something for us. He, He had a love for us undeserved creatures who caused him so to do so much Uh, something that is so absolutely incredible, to make a plan for him to be able to forgive us and accept us and grant us eternal life. It's involved in Christmas, God sending his son, his one and only son to earth to become human, to live a perfect life. It also involved Easter, that time when, when Jesus Uh, would give his life on a cruel cross and be resurrected. What motivated this? Well, God tells us what motivated that action that he had. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What motivated God to do all these things for us was his love for us, his love to do something wonderful for us. He didn't didn't want us to perish. 
He, he didn't want us to die in our sins. He didn't want us to be uh, separated from him. And so he did what only he could do. He gave his one and only son for us, for our sins. Beautifully, the apostle Paul would put it this way. In Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. God loved us and gave his life for us while we were still sinners, while we were in active rebellion against him, while we fought him for everything that we wanted to do and exercise our own autonomy. And what he did out of love, he demonstrated that love. He put proof to that love that while we were still sinners, he died for us. God wanted to fix that problem of that alienation between us and between him. Jesus willingly left heaven and became one of us so that he could rescue us from death and judgment. And none of us was looking for him. The scripture tells us that none was righteous. No, not one. No one was seeking after him. No, it was his initiative, his seeking after us. Now, what greater sense of being loved can we have or even begin to imagine beyond the God of the universe giving up his one and only son, giving him up to die a, a, a torturous death so that he could uh, take upon himself the punishment for our sins and our rebellion, even when we were sinners and rebelling in active rebellion against him. He wanted us to enter into a close relationship with him. He wanted to be able to forgive us. He wanted to be able to bring us into his family. He, he wanted us to be with him. And he, he cherished and loved us. By God Almighty, he did this for us through Jesus Christ. And he knows you. He knows all about you. He knows all of the, the things that you and I would be uh, ashamed for others to know. He knows all of the bad things that we've done, all of what we've done that are, we're not proud of. And yet, in, in spite of all that, he loved us. He called us by name. He chose us before the world was even formed. And you and I are secure in his love when, he when we receive that through Jesus Christ. <laughs> the scripture says, Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. In fact, he says, I, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. How awesome is that? To come to see the greatness of God's love for us. A number of years ago, I had uh, a woman call me and, and uh, wanted to make an appointment to talk with me. And so she came with her husband to see me and we sat down to talk and right away she began to pour out her life story. It was a sad story in so many ways. Her, her dad died when she was very young. Uh, her, uh, in her teen years, she was overweight and depressed, struggling terribly, and then her mother died. 
Her mother died, and the lone uncle that she had was, uh, contacted her and said, look, I'd just as soon not go to the funeral if, if it's just the same to you, and, and left her all by her, her lonesome to do these things. She married a man, and he ended up being a very controlling individual, uh, abusive, and uh, he took her and they went to Great Britain. And while there, she was so miserable, she was trying to find a way out, and there was no way. And so she began to get little bits of money and hide it until she got enough money for a, a plane ticket to return to Canada. And she did that. She came back to Canada, and uh, she married another man, and he seemed to be a, a reasonable kind of person. But about this time, she contracted diabetes as well. And her life is what uh, was at an all-time low. And when she came to me, she was angry and in tears. She was struggling. Uh, she felt that God hated her, that God had no use for her. And, and if she said, I remember her saying to me specifically, if, if God killed his own son, what hope is there for me? Outside, there was an air of respectability. Inside, there was rage and anger and hurt. I began to talk to her of the love of God and what God had done for her in Christ. How he demonstrated that love in a most powerful way by sending his son to die on a cruel cross in Calvary. The extent of his commitment and, and the Holy Spirit began to shine a light into her life. He began to take away the darkness and the angry tears became tears of joy. God wasn't against her. God loved her. He had a plan for her. He opened his arms to her. He welcomed her into her family. She sent me a note that week. She said, as you were talking, uh, I began to understand, God loves me. God loves me. Tears began to, to stream down her face, and, and she was overwhelmed with joy that God loved her beyond anything she could imagine. What a joy it was to see the absolute transformation in her life. That's what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus coming to earth, assuming our flesh, becoming human, and coming, though, to save us, to rescue us from alienation to God, from judgment and from sin and from death. What a beautiful thing. Karl Barth, uh, one of the best-known uh, theologians of the last century, uh, was taking a, uh, a trip to speak at some prestigious seminaries in the United States, uh, coming from Germany. And uh, at the end of one of his speaking engagements, he, uh, he took some question and answer period. One of the students there said to him, Dr. Bart, what is the greatest thought you have ever had? He paused for a second, then he answered this way. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This great thinker, this great theologian, 
reduced everything, that, that the, the most overwhelming thought he had that Jesus loved him. Jesus loved me. And you are loved. I want to tell you that. You are loved with an everlasting love. You don't have to feel like you don't fit in here or there. If you're lonely, he wants to be with you. He, he loves you. He accepts you. He cherishes you. What do you do with a love like that? What do you do when we receive that by faith and with gratitude? Well, the Bible says that our response is God wants us to love him back. God wants us to love him. It's interesting that a religious leader spoke to Jesus, and uh, he actually was trying to trip him up, to catch him, to, to discredit him in some way. And he said, what's the most important commandment? There were many, many commandments that the Jewish people had. And Jesus responded in this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. When we see the love that God has for us, he invites us to love him in return. He, he invites us to say yes to him and, and to live our life in a way that is pleasing to him. Well, what God wants is our love, our dedication, our devotion. Well, that doesn't, that's, I'm not suggesting that God had some need to be loved, so he created a lot of people so that they could love him because he was somehow deficient. God is a triune God. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he is one, uh, three persons, but one God. And he understood the loving relationship he had in, that, in the Trinity with, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He needed nothing. He, he was absolutely self-sufficient. But he, he brought us into existence so that he could shower us with love and have a relationship with him. And he, he also wants us to love each other. Listen to what it says. We are called to meet the needs of others by loving them. So not only do we receive the love of God, we return that love to him, and he wants us to meet the needs of others by loving them also. That great commandment said that we were to love God with all our heart. But if we go on, we read this. And the second command, the second greatest commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. God's love overflows from us and we begin to love others and care for others. We see the world as self-centered as it is, as uh, walking over people to get to where they want, hurting people, with, withholding help, and all of these kinds of things. And God created a world and a, and a place that where we were to love each other and help each other. It would, be, it would be paradise here on earth. How terrible it is that the, uh, that the future uh, of what God wanted for us was snuffed out by our rebellion and sin. And now we see the the results of that all around the world, hatred and, and uh, hurt and uh, abuse. 
how terrible it is. We were called to love our fellow human beings. And Jesus, when asked, who is my neighbor? If I'm to love my neighbor, who is this neighbor I'm to love? And he told the story about the Good Samaritan. Jesus taught that anyone in proximity to us who needs help, and we're able to offer that, that we need to do that. We need to help our neighbor. We need to lift people up. And, and Jesus was so intent on that love that he told his followers this just before he would go to the cross. He said, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, when you've experienced the love of God and when he overflows in your life, you want to love others and care for others too. That's God's plan, that there would be this transformative power of love that we would see going on in our world because God was filling us with his love and sending us out to help others. And that changes lives. That we would love our wonderful God and we would love others on behalf of him. What an incredible thing. The power of love in a broken world is able to transform so much. Yesterday I talked with a woman and... Uh, she had a, a co-worker, a co-worker who was at the point of retirement, and uh, she was going to be leaving her position at her job. The trouble is that this woman uh, was a single mom, and she had an adult child who had uh, many, many needs, had emotional and, and mental issues that she was dealing with, had drug addictions, couldn't keep a job didn't have money, and she was always coming to the workplace to try and get money. When, when her mother, when, when she had no place, when she would be kicked out of jobs and, and put out of uh, housing opportunities, uh, there was nothing. And what does a mother do with that? Oh, you can talk about tough love and all the rest, but to see your, see your child broken and hurting and on the street and abused... And uh, so this impacted this mother, though, so negatively because she couldn't get out of this cycle. She could never break it. And now this was affecting her. Now this was causing a problem for her because she had next to no money. And uh, this person who was talking to me said, we talked to our life group. And between our life group, we've got $500 together. And we gave it to her. She burst out in tears. She had never imagined that someone would care about her in that kind of way. And, and she took that. And, and it was such a heart-rending uh, thing for her. She broke down and, and was so grateful. And Jesus said, I want my people to be known and recognized and identified that they are my people because of the love they have for one another. I am so grateful to our Hampers of Hope people, uh, to, uh, to Nancy and her whole team. And over the last couple of days, we were able to help 163 families at Christmas time.
Each one of those families would have had three to four boxes of food. Um, they would have received $150 in a gift in uh, gift certificates. And uh, as we as we did this, we, we had not only 163 families, but a total of 680 people that we helped. And um, everything was set up and organized so well, especially for COVID, and people would come in at a specific time. They would receive their gifts and drive out. Uh, and one person came, and when he saw all that was given to him, he was overcome. He pulled his car back into the lot, and came in, and with tears streaming down his face, he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. You don't know what this means to us. And what a beautiful thing that we did to show and shine the light of Christ in this time. And I want you to know that you are loved. You are loved by God Almighty. And he put on the greatest display of sacrifice and love that we can imagine, that God Almighty would send his son to be one of us, to die on a cross, to be raised again, that we might be freed from sin, that we might be rescued, that God would shower us with his love, and that you are cherished. You belong to him if you've opened your heart to him. And you you are his child. And if you perhaps have not recognized how important you are to God, then my prayer is that he would open your eyes and your understanding to how absolutely wonderful he is. He called us to a life of love. And, and maybe you haven't yet opened your heart to Christ. I pray that just as this woman the, the anger and the rage and the hurt began to dissipate when she realized how absolutely wonderful God's love was and that it was for her, that he loves you, and that he would touch your life and you would open your heart and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you a simple question. Have you received that gift that God has given you in Jesus Christ? He, he loves you. He wants to reach out to you. And I want to encourage you to turn from running from him to running to him and put your trust in what he did for you that God would accept that and bring you into his family. You can open your heart and receive that free gift of God. And I want you to know that we're ready to encourage you and help you. You may have questions, and uh, we encourage you. You can contact us at info at uachome.org, and uh, someone would be happy to help you and to share with you. And, and uh, if you needed someone to pray with you, we'd be happy to have someone pray for you. You can go online and go uachome.org slash Pray with me. Someone would be happy to talk with you and pray with you. What a great gift. Oh, God gives us hope and he gives us peace and he gives us joy in the midst of this pandemic and all of it is wrapped up in his love, his love for us. I trust that you will receive and understand how wonderful and how great his love is. Let's pray. 
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this love that we don't understand. We can't begin to comprehend how great your love is for us. That I pray that you would help us. Uh, help us, Lord, to respond to your love, not to run from you, but to open our hearts to you, to thank you and to put our trust in you. And Lord, I pray that not only will we do that, but you would help us as we become your messengers to share this great Christmas news with others. May we be faithful in that, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.